Lord, we are hungry for your word, so fill us with your spirit. Open our hearts and minds to the message that you have for us today. Amen. Something like a tenth of all the sermons I've preached here at Berea have been based on the Psalms. So this is number 31. With uh, 150 Psalms, we, we still have a lot left to ponder. Well, this is, this is not common. The, the scholar, Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann says, it is not easy or obvious or usual for preachers to preach from the Psalms. He also said the Psalms probe and voice authentic emotional extremity. If we focus on the two major genres of the Psalter, that is hymns and also songs of thanksgiving, and then the other category being laments, protests, complaints, we have before us a rich panoply of common human emotional extremity that stretches from awed praise to desperate neediness. Voiced in recognizable form and a familiar cadence. Well, the psalm we'll consider today is different from most psalms in two ways. Many psalms are attributed to David, but today's Psalm 50, as well as Psalm 73 through 83, those are attributed not to David, but to Asaph. I know you're wondering, who is Asaph? I'll tell you. Asaph is one of the men of David, that David put in charge of the service of song in the house of the Lord. They're listed in uh, 1 Chronicles 39. So the author is one difference with Psalm 50. And the other difference? Well, in writing about the Psalms, Brueggemann also points out that with few exceptions, the Psalms are human speech and do not claim to be otherwise. But the Psalm that's our focus today Psalm 50 is one of the exceptions. It is not a voice we hear in uh, Psalm, not a human voice, but God's voice we hear in Psalm 50. Now this Psalm, I'll tell you ahead of time, has basically four parts. The first six verses introduce the appearance of God on earth for a time of judgment. And then secondly, verses 7 through 15, in those God is critical of the, of the people's relationship to God. And then thirdly, in the verses 16 through 21, basically uh, the voice of a priest is critical of the people's relationship to their neighbors. And then in the last two verses, you have a summary of the whole psalm. So listen now for God's word for us in the 50th psalm. The mighty one, God the Lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around him. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. 
I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds, for every wild animal of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills, I know all the birds of the air, and all that moves in the field is mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and all that is, is mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked, God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline and cast my words behind you. You make friends with a thief when you see one and you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free reign for evil and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your kin. You, you slander your own mother's child. These things you have done and I have been silent. You thought I was just like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then, you who forget God, or I will tear you apart, and there will be no one to deliver. Those who bring thanksgiving as their sacrifice honor me. To those who go the right way, I will show the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thanks, thanks be to God. God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable to you, our, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you like courtroom drama? Well, I have to tell you, starting when I was about eight years old, part of almost every Saturday night was given to watching Perry Mason, the masterful criminal defense attorney who, with the help of able secretary Della Street and sly old detective Paul Drake. Not only did he defend the innocent, but he also identified the guilty person, usually in a dramatic last scene. I did it, I did it. <laughs> Doesn't happen in real life. Well, I and maybe you have been in, in TV court at least many, many times since then. Well, in Psalm 50, we're in cosmic court. The people of Israel are actually, not just them, the people who make covenant with God are on trial. God is both the prosecutor and the judge. And by the way, like the people of Israel, we're guilty. Now remember that I mentioned that has, this psalm has four basic parts. The first six verses tell us that God is summoning the faithful ones to judgment. Now we like to think of evil people Mean people, people who act ugly. Those are the people we like to think of as coming, being called a judgment, but really we all are. I once knew of a man who was, he refused to have his young daughter treated for her serious and persistent mental illness. You see, he was a proud man and he thought somehow her illness reflected badly on him, so he didn't want her to get treatment. Well, my friend, the doctor, 
told this dad, said, you know, I, I think we have a, we all have an appointment with our maker. And I think on that day, our maker will ask us some questions. Or for example, he may say, I let some trouble come into your life. How did you handle it? Well, eventually that proud father relented and let his sick daughter be treated. But don't you wonder, what, what questions might we be asked on that day, and how will we answer them? Well, the second part of this psalm, the 7th through 15th verse, and that God's critical of the people's relationship with him, with God. The problem was not their sacrifices, but their attitude. They saw themselves as giving God their livestock, their grain, their stuff, when it already belongs to God. The sacrifice was being brought as though God needs this. No. The attitude denied that God is creator of everything and sovereign over all. And worship, worship to be in thanksgiving to God. And then the third section, the 16th through 21st verse, the people are criticized because their conduct, their conduct doesn't match their covenant claims. God says, what right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? You hate discipline. You cast my words behind you. And then fourth, the last couple of verses, they summarize this whole psalm. The 23rd verse tells us to honor God properly how to do that. Those who bring thanksgiving as their sacrifice, honor me. To those who go the right way, I'll show salvation of God. Well, uh, yesterday on the radio, that famous philosopher, Henry Winkler, <coughs> said something profound. You may remember Winkler, some of us remember as the Fawns, you know, the tough guy on the what, happy days. Or for that matter, a lot of other TV roles since. He's still got a, just got an Emmy not long ago, I think. Uh, and he's got a children's book out for that matter. Here's what he said. He said, I live by two words. One is tenacity and the other is gratitude. Tenacity gets you to your dreams and gratitude. Gratitude doesn't allow you to be angry on the journey. I mentioned before uh, uh, Diana Butler Bass, she's a scholar who got her PhD over at Duke and in her little book called Grateful, she says part of our problem is that for many of us, gratitude's just not a habit. We tend more to habits of woe, habits of frustration. You've seen people that kind of look on their face. I see them on I-40 and I can't even see their faces, but you can get that idea. They're frustrated. You can tell by their drive, it goes squeal out and Christian. Well, habits of anger, habits of sadness, habits of cynicism. Gratitude, Bass says, gratitude, well, it is a feeling, but it's more than that. Gratitude is an ethic, a coherent set of principles, practices related to grace, to gifts, to giving, an ethic that can guide our lives. So Asaph, you remember he wrote Psalm 50 and a few others. The Fonz and Diana Bass all recommend that we 
choose gratitude as a way of life and we develop habits of gratitude, some regular routine of thankfulness. Well, that other psalmist David tells us that gratitude is essential to worship. Psalm 95 tells us how to approach God. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. You remember that old hymn, uh, Count Your Blessings? Well, you know, the point is not to enumerate your blessings. I'm up to 144 today, I think. <laughs> How about you? Now, the, the next line of the hymn, that's the one that hits the mark. It says, name them one by one. Well, there are some people who keep journals. I don't write nearly, so I don't do that. Some people do a blog or do an email or, you know, an online journal or something. It doesn't really matter how you do it. Some people say them in, when they say their prayers at night or before a meal or things they're thankful for. But what matters is that we put into words our thanks to God for the many marvelous blessings that grace our lives. Psalm 50 says that the acceptable way, the way we're to honor God is with thanksgiving, gratitude. Well, to do that today, I modified a prayer that Diana Butler Bass ends her book with. So let's pray. Oh God, there are days we do not feel grateful. When we're anxious, when we're angry, when we feel alone, when we do not understand what's happening in the world or with our neighbors, when the news is bleak or confusing. Oh God, we struggle to feel grateful. But this day, we choose gratitude. Help us tell more of the stories that matter we choose to accept a life as a gift from you. We choose to be grateful for the earth from which our food comes, for the water that gives us life, for the air we all breathe. We choose to see our families and our friends with new eyes, appreciating them for who they are. We're thankful for our homes, whether they're humble or grand. We will be grateful for our neighbors, whatever our differences or how much we may feel hurt or sometimes misunderstood by them. We choose to see the whole planet as our shared commons, the stage of future of humankind and creation. Oh God, on this day, we do not give thanks. We choose thanks. We will make this choice of thanks with courageous hearts, knowing that it is humbling to say thank you. We choose to see your sacred generosity, that we're all guests in a hospitable table with gifts where gifts are passed and gifts are received. We will not let anything opposed to love take over this table. We will instead choose grace your free and unmerited love. In this choosing and in the making, we will pass gratitude on to the world. Thus with you and with all your children, we pledge to make thanks. We ask you to strengthen us in this resolve.
here and now and into the future, around our family table, around the table of our nation, around the table of the earth. Lord, we choose thanks. Amen.